E-S-N-Y. Welcome to the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast from Elite Sports NY. I'm Chip Murphy. I'm here with my great co-host, Jeff Campbell. Jeff, thanks for joining me tonight, man. Always, dude. Absolutely. Always pumped to talk some hoops. I know we got a bunch of topics tonight and uh, definitely ready to get into it for sure. We got trade season upon us, man, so I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm very excited about I'm always excited about trades, so trades are one of the most fun things to talk about in the league. NBA Twitter's always all over trades. Uh, the biggest name right now is uh, Kevin Love from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, he seems to have been being traded since he got there, even when the Cavs were good. You know, he was being traded for Carmelo Anthony back when Carmelo Anthony's with the Knicks. Uh, but now it looks like he really is going to be traded because the Cavs are really bad and. Uh, apparently, they don't get along with their coach, and now it, there's even teams being mentioned that he's linked to. Uh, he he doesn't look like the same Kevin Love. He has uh, his lowest usage since his first year with LeBron, when he was still getting used to playing with a superstar or two superstars. Uh, he has his fewest shots per game since his second year in the league. Uh, he's averaging fewer shots per game than uh, Tristan Thompson right now. Uh, not that that's a knock on Tristan Thompson. He's having a really good year. And he'll. Uh, there's going to be a lot of teams that want him. But, look, uh, he's basically a jump shooter now. You know, I was looking at basketball reference before we got on here. Over 70% of his shots have come from outside of 10 feet from the rim this year. So he's a jump shooter uh, player now. So I think there's still – that's not a knock on him, though. The league is a three-point league now, and he's a good three-point shooter. And he's a good mid-range shooter. Now, I can see why teams wouldn't want him. He's 31. Uh, he he hasn't played 65 games since 2015-16. Uh, you now he's missed a lot of time. I think he's already missed four games this year. Uh, and he still has, after this year, three years and $90 million left on his contract. That's a lot of fucking money for a guy with his injury history and at his age. But I think the team that was brought up, and me and you were talking about this before we came on here, uh, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer wrote a great trade uh, destination, trade rumor piece. And uh, Kevin Love was talked about, and the big rumor was one of the rumors that's been for Kevin Love for a while, and that's the Portland Trailblazers. And Kevin Love's from Portland, and according to O'Connor, He's saying that Love would prefer to play in Portland, which makes a lot of sense. And I think he's a great fit there, especially when Nurkic comes back. Nurkic is more of an interior player. Love can play outside. And Dame Dame can kick it out to him. CJ can kick it out to him. And they run a lot of mid-range plays, and Love's a good mid-range shooter, too. So I think that's the one that makes a lot of sense. I know Boston's going to be in on him, too. They've wanted him for a long time. But anyway, Jeff, what do you think about Love being available? Do you think Portland makes sense? Maybe Boston? Maybe even another team? Yeah, I, I definitely think Portland makes sense. Um, 
you know, we also talked about the idea that some of these these franchises they they really try and do right by uh, you know some of their players, especially the players that have been there for a while. Kevin Love won a championship in Cleveland, um, so you would like to see management there, you know, get him to a playoff, you know, a contending team that that has a chance to do something. So I definitely think Portland makes sense. He's still shooting a respectable percentage from three. I think it's 37%, averaging 16 and 10 right now. That contract is a woolly mammoth, man. It's an absolute beast. (laughs) But you know what? Um, There will be, there will be somebody I think willing to take um, you know, a, a chance on it, you know, if, if Houston was willing to, you know, trade four or five non-consecutive draft picks for Jimmy Butler last year, <laughs> you know, there's going to be some team that feels the push to shove, especially with Golden State, uh, not in the, you know, not automatically going to be in the finals this year, uh, as has been the case, you know, w- with the with the last several years, there's going to be a team that feels like his skill set can complement what they do and and can spread the floor. Um, and like we talked about last week a little bit, uh, there was a lot of depth lost with Portland over the summer, especially at the forward position. They obviously brought you know Carmelo Anthony, and he's given them a nice boost. Uh, maybe Kevin Love does the same. Um, but I, I like that team. I like that team a lot. I, I think Kevin Love, the, the good thing about him, even though he is aging and he's not the same player, is that his skill set fits any team, really. I mean, unless you just have a really poor defensive team and you're adding him to it, you know, that's going to be tough because he's, you know, he's not that great in that area. But, you know, if you if you have a, a team with a strong defensive backbone and, and you need some shooting... Why not? You know, and if if you feel like you can take um, that cap hit because you already have two stars and you feel like your window is within the next two to three years, why not do it? You know, that when he he probably had some of his best seasons when he was playing alongside LeBron and Kyrie. Of course, a lot of players would play well against them, but if he's that third option, I think he can do really well in that um, in that role for sure. Well, not according to uh, the Boston Celtics and Terry. Well, not according to Terry Rogier. It's very difficult to play uh, well when you're playing with Kyrie Irving. Ah, uh, okay. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Just pointing that out. Yes, yes. Fucking, I, I'm also watching the Hornets play the Wizards right now, and <laughs> Terry Rogier isn't even the best point guard on the Hornets. No. As us as us as Knicks fans know all too well from oh, yeah. the Devontae Graham show that he put on in the Garden. <laughs> Big time. You know. I was watching like old Cuse clips, by the way, and uh, I don't know if you're a college fan, college ball fan, but I forgot Devontae Graham played for Pittsburgh. And I was, because I was watching old Cuse clips of him playing for Pittsburgh against Cuse, and I, to- I like, you totally forget who he was, like, because he was such an afterthought. And now he's like a front runner for most improved player of the year. He's just had such an in- impressive uh, year, and it, it's another thing that made David Fisdale look bad. Yeah. The development of Devontae Graham yeah. and like the regression of Kevin Knox and the regression of all these guys. And I, I we're not on the Nick State of Mind podcast, so I'm sorry that I'm doing this. <laughs> but Listen, I just I'm watching the Hornets right now. If it's if it's gonna be a podcast with me and you on it, there's gonna be some <laughs> Knicks content that gets in here. That's you know, true. we 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 won't apologize for it, but we'll you know, we'll obviously 
um, get to our other NBA stuff. There's a there's another guy that I have on my mind that I haven't seen reported too much out there. Um, we talked about him a little bit last week, but just in, in kind of a different capacity. But Goran Dragic, man, um, you know, the, the Heat are a really good team. Goran Dragic is having a good year, uh, averaging just under 16 points per game, five assists, 40% from three. Uh, the Heat are in a very good situation where they've had some very nice uh, breakout performances from obviously Kendrick Nunn, who's just lighting it up. Um, really, really in that front runner position for the rookie of the year race. Tyler Hero has played really well for them. He just hit a huge shot the other night. The Heat are in a position where I think that they can uh, sell off some assets, or at least uh, you know, Dragic, who's on an expiring contract, to maybe get something back for him. A team that is maybe on the outside looking in in terms of the playoff picture, or a team that's in the five or six seed area that wants to add some depth and kind of push up a little bit. A really, uh, a team that I was looking at when I was trying to research for, for tonight's pod was the Minnesota Timberwolves. And everything that I've been seeing from the Timberwolves is that they're trying to get away from Jeff Teague. I saw some clip of, of Carl Anthony Towns yeah, getting pissed. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, <laughs> so he's, he's literally shaking his hands like Jeff T could make the easiest pass in the world just to the top of the key to literally one of the most talented big men that the game has ever seen. But he chooses to just try and dribble by his defender and, and Towns is like besides himself, just like sitting there. So, you know, Dragic is a guy that I think keeps his dribble very well. He doesn't ball stop. You know, he's not like the most analytically sound guard. He does take, you know, some Probably mid-range not, yeah. jumpers. But you know what? I I like him going to a spot like that. I think Minnesota has has some good pieces there and they're building. And, you know, obviously Wiggins in the beginning of the year was having a very nice resurgence. So I would love Dragic to get on a team like that and maybe, you know, push them up a little bit. He's not a, he's not a huge difference maker. I would not sit here and say that they're all of a sudden going to be you know, a four or five seed or, or win their division or anything like that. But um, just a nice piece to add that that doesn't maybe really cost them a whole lot. Um, so he's he's definitely a guy I'm looking looking at in terms of the, as the trade window gets closer. Yeah, and Miami is not going to re-sign him. So, the, right. and he's been like, uh, like Kevin Love, he's been the subject of trade rumors for how long? I mean, for for years, yeah. it seems like. Yeah. So, and he's been moved to the bench, right, for point Winslow, point justice, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. So, it seems like it's inevitable that he's going to be moved. But uh, we're looking at, or I'm looking at uh, O'Connor's list, and I see, uh, I don't want to read directly off of it, but uh, I see uh, Robert Covington, uh, to the Rockets on here, and that uh, the Rockets are interested in him. And the Rockets are interested in. I wanted to mention that because the Rockets are interested in every player that becomes available via oh, trade. Yeah. But Covington seems like a guy who would be a perfect fit there. Uh, makes a lot of threes. Uh, I think he's shooting. Listen, just clicked. Of course, I just clicked off of it. Yeah, thirty-seven percent this year on five and a half per game. That's really nice right there. Uh, he's averaging 12.5 points on fewer than 10 shots, just 9.2 shots. So that's that's really nice percentage there. It's a really efficient player. 
And also, more importantly for them, he can defend. Yes. And he can defend multiple positions. So mm-hmm. he's a guy they could use. But uh, anyway, I in terms of uh, other players that we're talking about, like more outside-the-box kind of players uh, that we're talking about, I think you made a great call there mentioning Drogic. And a guy that nobody's really talked about recently, who I think was more of a trade candidate around the time they signed him, was D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I think that when people, when uh, Golden State signed him, he was looked at like, oh, when Clay Thompson comes back, they're going to trade him. Uh, And I, I think that Golden State is so bad, they're one of the worst teams in the league, they're 5-20 and 20 right now, minus 10.5 point differential, and whether or not they have them, they're going to lose a ton of games. Yeah. So why not trade them and stack up on, stock up on some more first-round picks and see what you can get for them and just go all in on the tank? And maybe they won't trade them on December 15th, but wait a little longer because you ensure you get the highest pick possible. I know the lottery's changed, but still, why, why not? Why keep them? I mean, when you're getting Steph Curry back, when you're getting Clay Thompson back, and the be- the two, uh, the three top prospects in the draft are all point guards or, or guards, whatever you want to say. So do you really need two uh, guards when you're going to be – if you're in the top three, you're going to be drafting a guard most likely? Uh, probably not. But – it seems like he's a good fit to be traded. And I was thinking about a couple guys from San Antonio even too. Like, and I don't think San Antonio is fully ready to give up on any season. Uh, especially doing something like trading DeMar DeRozan or LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, I thought about like, I thought about what that would look like even, or who might even want DeMar DeRozan, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, I think a lot of teams would want. I think he's a really good player. But DeMar DeRozan, he's just not a good defender. And not only can he not shoot, he's Ben Simmons, man. He's afraid of the fucking three-point line. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not sure who would want the guy in terms of he's a high-usage guy. He's like the worst kind of shooting guy. He's a high-usage guy who can't shoot. Yeah. That's not, a, that's not an attractive player in today's NBA. But uh, I think that the Pistons are probably going to be buyers, too. I was looking at, like, buyers and sellers. I think the Pistons are probably going to be buyers. You know, I think that uh, Reggie Jackson will inevitably get traded. Uh, and I think Toronto is a team to keep an eye on. Uh, you mentioned, like, Dragic as a player as a player who's going to get sold. But Miami's a contender. I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto did some selling too, even though they are a contender too. Like maybe Ibaka, maybe Gasol, maybe one of those other guys. Not Lowry, but uh, they're not going to re-sign Ibaka and Gasol this summer. So one of those guys might be available. Uh, but other than that, I don't think it's going to be a particularly um, huge uh, trade deadline. But I. The one, the one team you can't not bring up is Oklahoma City because they're just apparently making the entire team available via trade. Yeah. I, except I assume this, but uh, what are your – because the main guy, of course, is Chris Paul, and he's going to be difficult to trade because he has that $44 million option when he's 36 years old. But uh, so 
what are your, you just mentioned Goran Dragic also. So if the main team is Miami and Goran Dragic is the guy that have to trade, but uh, what are your thoughts like about Chris Paul and if OKC could move him and if they could move him, would any team be interested other than Miami, do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think teams would definitely be interested, you know, from OKC's point of view, I think they're going to try and do everything they can to um, maybe give the keys to Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's, who's you know, shown some promise there. Um, obviously, Danilo Gallinari is another name that's been floated around that, that is out there, you know, maybe... Steven Adams, even though he's been such a uh, a mainstay there. Um, in terms of teams that would be interested, I mean, the thing is with Chris Paul, man, and, and like I'm such a huge CP3 fan. Like I think I love him. I think when I it come, him. I think when it comes to winning, like literally, there's I, I don't know in my lifetime that I've seen like five players that know how to win better than CP3. And obviously, people may come back at me and they'd be like, oh, well, he hasn't really won that well in the playoffs and he's never won a championship. But if you watch this guy play and you see how smart he is, and just even the little gamesmanship things that he does here and there, I mean, like, he literally started and and it didn't become a major trend. But remember when he would come down past half court and, like, he knew that a guy was going to try and foul him intentionally, and then he would get the three off. Like, they, like a lot of guys weren't doing that. Like, he's just a very heady, smart player. Like, when he's really, really motivated, and obviously he's older, he's a tenacious defender. Um, you know, I, I just, I think you have to be, you have to have a very, you have to have a pretty strong coach and strong culture to bring him in because, Chris Paul, and rightfully so, is going to think that he's the smartest guy in the room, and most of the time he is. So I just think that whoever is going to bring him in has to have a, a coach and you know players there that are either just going to be willing to learn from him or can really work with him cooperatively and be like, listen, we know that you've forgotten more basketball than most of us know, but you know, we have a way that we want to do things here, and this is how we see you fitting in. Um, so I think that, you know, there just has to be, like, a lot of thought into who brings him on. Yeah, very Rondo-ish. You know how he didn't get along with any of his coaches because yeah. he knew more about basketball than they do. And, right. you know, Rick Carlisle hated him so much that the two of them hated each other so much that he sent him home from the team <laughs> and because Rick Carlisle was like fuck you I don't care what you think you know it's my team yeah so Doc Rivers was the only guy he really got along with but yeah no I see what you're saying he is this he is going to be the smartest guy on the team 99.9 percent of the time yeah. yeah so that makes sense but I don't think Spolstra and Pat Riley are going to be intimidated by that I don't think uh Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni really gave a shit about that until right. he actually got there. Right. And they were like, oh my God, look at what we have to deal with. Right. <laughs> and James Harden was like, yeah, I don't want to deal with it either. I definitely don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And then they got him the hell out of there. And uh, now they're, you know, I mean, uh, do you want to uh, switch topics now here, actually? Because I was just about to go into what we were. Um, uh, going to talk about for our next subject, which was uh, NBA coaches on the uh, hot seat. Do you have yeah. anything else you want to add 
for yeah. uh, the trade. I think just the last piece I want to hit on is just a team more than a player is, is just the Denver Nuggets. They're so interesting to me. Uh, Nikola Jokic has, has not had a great start to his year. Um, you know, the Nuggets are still fourth in the West, so, I, you know, obviously very respectable. But they have, you know, a gluttony of guards, including Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, Monte Morris, Will Barton, and all of them are playing in some capacity. And you just wonder if if they kind of, you know, not in a, not in a very closely similar way, but to the Toronto Raptors last year. Toronto Raptors were always the bridesmaid, never the bride, right? Like they were always getting yeah. in the, beaten by LeBron in the conference finals. The The Nuggets have not had that long of a sustained period of success, but the Toronto, the Raptors, they, they eventually decided to go all in on Kawhi. They traded for Gasol. You know, do Denver, does Denver decide that, okay, we have a lot of guards here. Maybe we package this for another star to put along Jokic like what do we need to maybe beat the Lakers like if the Lakers are going to be the team and the Clippers to beat for the next three to five years how does how do the Nuggets compete with that um unless they really feel like one of the the four guys I mentioned is going to become a stud Paul Millsap is another guy that I think was on a short contract that you know they probably don't have long-term plans for so you know I'm interested to see what the Nuggets do as uh, as trade season starts and as the deadline gets closer, um, you know I think I think they're a, a really interesting team to look at. Yeah, I think so too. I think they're a team that definitely would have been in on Bradley Beal had he not signed that extension. Yeah, because that that would have made sense. Like Gary Harris would have made sense in a package for Bradley Beal, but now obviously that's out the window. I think that look for them as a. Gallinari team would make a lot of sense, I yeah. think, especially because that's a reunion there. Uh, but uh, I don't think there's going to be any stars available for them to get. Yeah. Uh, unless, you know, unless Detroit, Detroit seems intent on being a buyer because, you know, they have the new arena, the owner wants to sell tickets, which makes sense. But unless they pivot and become sellers and Blake Griffin becomes available, I don't know, maybe Blake Griffin to Denver. I don't know. I'm just throwing shit against the wall. Blake Griffin could become available. It wouldn't surprise me. Crazy, crazy things have happened to Blake Griffin in the past, so that wouldn't surprise me either. That's true. That's definitely true. Yeah. And I think we um, also um, we were we were going to switch gears here a little bit. I was just going to say we're and, moving uh, on finally yeah. to uh, uh, the co- uh, coaches on the hot seat. We wanted to touch on that because. Uh, David Fizdale, our beloved David Fisdale, was yeah. fired by the New York Knicks. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe the worst coach in New York Knicks history. I, he's on the list. <laughs> he's on the list. I. It's funny he's for definitely me. on the list. It's it's tough for me, man. Like I, uh, I wanted him to do so well. Um, I, uh, I was I was a big fan of of his personality, like his gregarious nature. I thought that certain things that he um, preached, he did practice in terms of like developing relationships with players. It's very clear that the players liked playing for him and being around him. And we're not going to go too hard on Fizz uh, during this pod because I know you guys, you guys, you know, discussed ad nauseum on uh, Nick's state of mind, but there's no question uh, tactically there was a lot left to be desired. 
you know, defense, despite being considered def- a defensive guy, um, you know, that was a big struggle for him, just, just developing an offense, a modern NBA offense. Um, obviously, with a lot of young players and turnover, you know, that's going to be difficult. But, uh, yeah, there was there was a lot to not like, um, you know. And then, obviously, showing the door 4-18. and 18, And he is the first coach in the NBA this season to get the axe. Uh, so I'm very interested to hear... Uh, your two cents on who you, who else you think is on the hot seat? If there's any guys out there outside of the, you know, um, the norm, you know, the lower teams in the in the standings that that might be um, that could be shown the door. If there's anybody else that you think yeah. might be might that might happen as well to them. I don't think anybody's seat is too hot, right? Just yet, uh, I think the. We should probably mention the uh, story in the Athletic about John Beeline and the Cavs players not really appreciating his college atmosphere there. But he's been there twenty five games. Yeah, he's had a, an awfully short NBA career to be fired yet. I don't think he'll be fired during his first season. But uh, I think that you know Jim Boylan, coach of the Chicago Bulls. Seems like the general manager's tenure there is tied to him. I don't think he'll be fired. And anyway, they're a garbage team. They're not the kind of team we're talking about. In terms of like legitimate teams and legitimate coaches who couldn't be, Mike D'Antoni has to be talking about. Uh, he's in the last year of his deal. Uh, the Rockets, I know they're 15-8, and eight, which is shocking, but they don't look like a team that's 15-8. and eight. Uh, They play like the Rockets sometimes. They play like indifferent a lot of times. They're a top five offense, but once again they've gone from they've gone from being a top ten, top eight defense to being a middle of the road defense. They're fifteenth in defense this year. They're just not the defensive team they used to be. And I they're not good enough to win a championship. You know, they're not. And teams are I know Zach Lowe just wrote a great piece on ESPN about the new defense that teams are running at Harden, which is basically like a, a CYO defense where yeah. you just you just Double. run a bunch of defenders at the team's best player, and yeah. you're like, okay, you have to pass. Yeah. <laughs> you're not beating us. You have to pass. Your teammates are beating us, which is pretty crazy. But, you know, it, it worked when the Clippers did it, and Zach Lowe wrote about it. It worked when the Clippers did it. It worked when the Nuggets did it. So when great teams do have done it, it looks like it's going to work, and – the Rockets are going to have to make some adjustments. But uh, D'Antoni isn't really known for adjusting his offense. So that'll be pretty interesting. And also, it's the Rockets, and Daryl Morey has known to be quick on the trigger when it comes to firing. And I've also noticed one other name that comes to mind is Brett Brown with the Sixers. Because I've noticed the hashtag fire Brett Brown. Uh, See, I didn't even know that uh, was a thing. Yeah, I've seen that trending a couple times because they were supposed to be – some people predicted them to win the East. Right. And right now they're fourth in the East. They're 17-7. and seven. Uh, Look, Embiid is awesome. Embiid's a great, great player. And they're fourth in uh, defense, but they're not a great offensive team. And they're 19th in win differential. It's really not that – that's really not that special. They – don't play like a team that has the record they do. And it's kind of 
I don't I don't want to throw Simmons under the bus because everyone always throws him under the bus for his shooting. So that's kind of cliche. Look, he's never going to be a shooter, obviously. But the whole thing where it looks like Simmons and Embiid may not be a great fit together, it, it just it doesn't look like it's it's going great. It really doesn't. And Horford and Embiid, I feel like Al Horford eventually he'll be able to click with Embiid because Al Horford's just so good. And by playoff time, I could look stupid for saying all this because those there's so much talent on that team. But right now, they're fourth in the East. And they were supposed to be an elite team. They were supposed to be top two in the East. And I think a lot of it has to do with Miami's surprising play. Miami's looked really good. But they're, uh, you know, Philly's undefeated at uh, home, and they're sub-500 on the road. They're 5-7 and seven on the road. And, look, I get it. You take care of business at home. That's great. But you got to win some road games, too. And, you know, the Celtics... The Celtics and Heat, the Heat definitely don't have the talent that the Sixers do. And they have one more win than the Raptors. I mean, it's just, it's a little surprising. And I don't think Brett Brown will get fired during the season. But there have been rumors about him being fired before. And I know the Sixers aren't happy with the fact that they lost last year. Uh, I don't know. There's really fucking high expectations in Philly this year. They spent a lot of money to bring Tobias Harris back. They tried to bring Jimmy Butler back and spend a lot of money on him. They spent a lot of money on Al Horford, too. If they don't at least make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think he'll probably get fired and they'll bring in someone new. And if there's any other legit coach that does get fired during the season, I think it'll be him. Uh, and then, I mean, you gotta you got to mention uh, the guy the guy in Washington that I'm, that I'm oh, watching Scott, right now, Scott, Scott Brooks. Brooks. Scott Brooks, it's just, their defense is abysmal. But but in terms of legit coaches, I think D'Antoni and uh, Brett Brown, I think if anybody in like a a playoff run, a change could be made, I I could see either one of those guys going down. Yeah, I I agree with all of those names, especially D'Antoni and Brown. Those were actually my two guys that I had listed here. Outside of you know the uh, the bottom of the rung standings teams, D'Antoni especially just because it's very clear that with every decision that Daryl Morey has made, it's surrounded around James Harden's um, uh, window. There, it, that's it. So yeah. if if Chris Paul wasn't the answer, you know he was shown the door. Um, you know if Mike D'Antoni isn't the answer, you know it, it's it's going to be him. I, I mean I guess the only not only, but the biggest issue is their offense is so tied to D'Antoni's philosophy. But, um, yeah, I think it's clear that especially if he's in the last year of his deal and, and he hasn't gotten an extension, you know, there, there may be some friction there between Maury and D'Antoni. They're probably both pretty um, stubborn guys or headstrong guys in terms of what they think they, they know about how the team should be run. Uh, and Brown, I definitely could see that, especially if the 76ers don't make it to the conference finals. There were, Like you said, there were absolutely rumors about him last year. I'm telling you, man, with Simmons and Embiid, they just don't look right sometimes together. And um, this is me just being pop psychologist and maybe reading into things a little bit too much, but 
their 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 vibes on the court with each other it does really yeah. seem like they are both if not explicitly trying to uh, beat each other out for a top dog it just seems like they are like i i really feel like ben simmons and the, all great players i guess should believe this but he really probably feels like the team has the best chance of winning when i have the ball and joel Embiid should also feel like the team has the best chance of winning when i have the ball and you know i think it i think they've struggled to figure out how to coexist and unfortunately brown may uh become a casualty of that um another guy's name who i threw out, out there and i i feel like i should have checked before i said this out here if, if he had just gotten an extension or not but billy donovan just because um he's he's been there for a while i know they're now in rebuilding uh, stage so that that gives him some time and and maybe Presty feels that he's actually in a good position to work with the young kids but he's just a name that I wouldn't be surprised if um if things just didn't work out there and 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 they kind of um you know relieved him and, and wanted to bring somebody else but everybody else that you mentioned Boylan John Beeline those were all guys on my list yeah yeah I mean and just, you're playing pop psychologist, I'll play the analytics nerd, about Simmons and Embiid. <laughs> Simmons, uh, Simmons and Embiid, I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now. Uh, their uh, points per 100 possessions offensively, 107.8. Wow. Uh, which is in the 40th percentile. Not wow. Not that impressive. No. When the two of them are on the court together. Wow. So... It's 709 possessions, you know, and when Simmons is on the court without Embiid, uh, 114.3. So that's a lot better. And, um, because I, my computer is taking forever. I'm still trying to bring up Embiid and Simmons Embiid on the court without Simmons and still loading. Oh, here, here we go. And surprisingly, it's a lot lower. It's only like, it's 108.4. Is what it is. So Simmons, now you got to take into account at the primary point guard that Embiid is playing with is Raul Neto. So, <laughs> yeah. Or or as Clyde Frazier calls him, Raul Neto. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> but still, I it's I think it is saying something that Simmons plays uh, scores so many points uh, without Embiid on the court. Like yeah. you said, you mentioned they. They don't exactly claim, uh, seem to be best friends. Right. And they're totally, they're polar opposite personalities. Yeah, very different. Simmons, Simmons is very clearly an introvert, and Embiid is very clearly an extrovert. And I don't know if that really matters in terms of on the court, but I don't know. that. And I'm not comparing them to Kobe and Shaq because those guys hated each other, but Kobe was an introvert, Shaq was an extrovert, and right. that was... One of the reasons they didn't get along, Kobe, and I, I don't know if it's a, a recipe for success long term. Those two guys playing together, and maybe like you, you mentioned Brown too. Brown could end up being the scapegoat for their failures because we know that. Anyway, I want to move on here because I know we wanted to talk about the Lakers. Because everyone's talking about the Lakers, and unfortunately, because I hate the Lakers, but <laughs> I want to throw that in there. Uh, but the Lake, you have to talk about the Lakers now because the Lakers are twenty-one and three. 
They're probably, if not the best team, the second best team behind Milwaukee. They're uh, second in point differential. They're third in point per 100 possessions. They're sixth in uh, point, uh, points per 100 possessions allowed. They're a great team. Uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis are incredible together. I mean, it's it's looked even better than Lakers fans could have possibly dreamed of. Dwight Howard's having a the long-awaited Dwight Howard redemption year. Mm. So, uh, and I saw on I was looking at DraftKings today, and I saw that Dwight Howard was on the list of people to bet for. Uh, <laughs> For most improved player, which I thought was pretty funny, wow. but uh, yeah, it's the Lakers look great, and I, I think they're probably because the Clippers are, you know, they're doing the load management thing with Kawhi. They're probably the the favorite to finish with the one seed in the West right now. Maybe not necessarily the favorite to win the championship because the Clippers will be going all out in the playoffs. But I think they'll probably get the one seed. And eventually the, the the talk of them breaking the Warriors' record will start. But right now they look invincible. I mean, as long as AD and LeBron are healthy, they ju- it doesn't look like anyone's going to be able to stop them. And, I mean, what are your thoughts on this, Jeff? You wanted to talk about this too. Like, can any, do you think anyone can beat the Lakers? I think uh, I'm, I'm really impressed with them. I mean, everybody should be impressed with them. Um, but I'm, I guess I'm a little bit surprised just because I didn't think, and this may not sound very smart, but I just didn't think free agency was, you know, I, I didn't think they got any big hauls. I didn't think they had any outstanding signings. They, they, they brought in Danny Green, who has played well for them, Jared Dudley, Dwight Howard, Rajon Rondo, um, obviously trading for Davis was, was massive, but I'm just looking at some of the rankings, even outside of the ones that that you just referenced. You know, first in the league in both field goal percentage and blocks per game, top five in both offensive rating and defensive rating. My biggest thing is this, and it's it's a it's a thought that's been out there before. But is the biggest key to their success, and obviously Anthony Davis is a huge part of it. But is it is it oversimplifying the Lakers' success to say that? allowing LeBron to function more as a facilitator. And I think he's leading the league in, in assists or assists per game. I, I'm not 100% sure about that. but I think he's he's one or two. Yeah, and having AD shoulder the scoring load has enabled to have LeBron have more energy on the defensive end. Because if we remember with the Cavs, when he was do it all with the Cavs, I mean, we would literally laugh at video clips of of his play on defense and the Cavaliers were routinely bottom of the league in in defensive rating like prior to the playoffs when they decided to turn it on like like LeBron's defense was literally basura like absolute trash yeah (laughs) but but now that he has Davis in there and they're running the offense through him you know, he's got more energy and, and he's able to, to be all over on the court. And and honestly, maybe we should we got to give some, some credit to Frank Vogel here too. Like Frank Vogel had a very good defense in Indiana. He was a very, he seemed a very capable coach, you know, but um, I, I've, I've... We both know Frank Vogel's never going to get any credit for no, what goes on. No, I, listen, you know? <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. But I'm just, I mean, uh, 
I, I think whether it was LeBron's idea or Vogel's idea to have him be more of a facilitator, that might be the biggest reason um, that this team is doing so well because, uh, you know, Alex Caruso, okay, he's had a nice go of it. Obviously, Kuzma is, is a young stud in the waiting. But, you know, to have LeBron uh, take a step back from the scoring, focus more on the defensive end and getting players involved and having Davis shine, is I think maybe the biggest reason that this team like looks unstoppable. But in terms of can anybody beat them? Yeah, sure. I think I think the Clippers when they start hitting on all cylinders uh, will pose a lot of different matchup nightmares that I don't know that the Lakers will be able to handle. Um, but as of right now, I mean they they look like a unstoppable machine. Yeah, I'm not sure anybody. I think you're right about the Clippers. I'm not sure anybody but the Clippers can beat a team when LeBron is rolling the way he's rolling like this. I mean, it's he, him and Davis have even greater chemistry than we imagine they could have. And they don't even have a third star. They're just so good together yeah. that, that you know, uh, Kuzma was supposed to be like the next guy up and he's averaging well like, 10 or 11 a game the last I looked. So it's, they haven't even needed a third guy and they have like four or five guys that are playing really well. You know, we mentioned green and Howard and Rondo's playing well. And, uh, we, uh, we forgot to mention Avery Bradley because he's been hurt, but, uh, he played well before he went down. Uh, it's just, they've had a lot of guys play well. And, uh, even like, um, What's even uh, JaVale McGee has looked yeah. good this year. Oh, yeah. JaVale McGee's look good. Um, but I think they can be beaten. I think the Clippers can beat them. I'm not sure anyone in the East can beat them. I know I know it's messed up. We don't give the Milwaukee Bucks any respect because they do look incredible. But I think I would give – I think it is still the Lakers or Clippers for the championship at this point. I do want to – I do want to go on record as saying that. Yeah. But speaking of uh, championships, and I do want to talk about this quickly and uh, maybe talk about a surprising team and the reason they're so surprising. Let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, and yeah. More, more specifically, the great Luka Doncic. Oh, God. Because I don't think anyone could have saw this coming. We're recording this on a Tuesday the Mavericks are 16 and seven right now, third in point differential. They have the number one offense in the NBA. We knew Luka Doncic was going to be good. We didn't know he was going to be leading the the best offense in the NBA in his second year in the league. I mean, this guy's incredible. He averaged a 30 point triple double for a month out of the season. Um, he's his usage for isn't his usage yeah, his usage is in the forty percentile. It's, it's yeah, I think it's at thirty six right now. It's it's yeah. him and Harden are I think are one and two. Uh, or maybe his, Giannis. He or maybe he might be three, but they're they're definitely top three. I'm looking at his his yeah I'm look yeah yeah and I'm looking at his stats here. He's in the ninety first percentile points per shot attempt, one hundredth percentile assist percentage. Insane and ninety fifth percentile of assist to usage percentage like he's his numbers are so absurd and i know uh twitter hates the fact that uh 
analytics people love Luka Doncic, and that's why they, and that's why they always uh, go to bat for Trey Young. Whatever. Look, the guy's been incredible, and you have to give him his due here. And it's just so surprising that he's looked as good as he good has as looked as good as he has this quickly. And the other thing that's surprising is that uh, the Mavericks are uh, as high as they are in the standings with Kristaps Porzingis not playing well. No, he's not. I mean, yeah, Doncic has carried this team to 16 wins in the Western Conference by himself, pretty much. Yeah. By and large. I mean, the role players have played well. That's uh, uh, that's not fair to say. Dwight Powell's a really good player. DeLon Wright has been a great signing for them. Brunson's, it, Brunson's been pretty yeah, solid for them, too. Jalen Brunson's really good. He was a great college player. My God, he was a great college player. And I got we got to give some... Credit to Tim Hardaway Jr., man. As much as we like goofing on him when he was a Nick, he's had yeah. a pretty good year. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but Kristaps Porzingis has looked bad. And this is just a – they're the best offense in the NBA. It just shows how good Luka Doncic is. And we were talking about it on Nick's State of Mind, how hysterical it is that there's still some people who won't admit what a mistake the Hawks made oh, by trading – by trading for Trey Young instead. And I love Trey Young. He's so fun to watch. But come on. Luca looks like he's going to be the face of the league. And this guy is incredible. And he's so fun and so incredible. We just we wanted to talk about him because he, he's Luka Doncic. I just love watching him play. And uh, one of the main reasons I got NBA League Pass this year was so I could watch Luka Doncic whenever I wanted to. Yeah, I um listen, Luca is he he's just an absolute stud. And I, I wanna start off kind of my little my my uh my ode to Luca here with giving credit to uh, a guy that I think we both at least know of, uh Coles Wicker from the Stepian. Like he mm-hmm. was extremely high on Luca coming out of the draft. I, I listened to multiple podcasts where the guy where there would be other, you know, other people not as high on Luca. They would, they would kind of talk about his body type, or they felt like the lack of athleticism was going to hold Luca back at the, at the NBA level, and and he really was. He he just felt like this was a trans transcendent, um, you know, guard forward, you know, primary ball handler with elite vision, passing ability. Um, ability to get his shot off with the amazing step back. I mean, like, there's literally no range to it. He can hit it from anywhere. Um, and not to tie this, obviously, to the Knicks, but Doncic, Doncic his skill set actually gives me hope. And I don't want to say hope as in, like, this guy is not playing well. But And I love what R.J. Barrett has done for the Knicks, but one of the arguments that I've had with friends that – we talk about his ceiling, right? Because, you know, he's obviously 19. And I think you, you would have to say that he's had a good rookie season still, so far in terms of his ability to score on NBA defenses and players. And obviously, you know, whatever. His shooting has to improve. We get that. But Doncic is not a great athlete. And Barrett is not really a great athlete either. Like, Barrett does not have blow-by-you speed. His strength is probably the biggest physical tool that he has, and I don't think he's not an elite leaper by any stretch of the imagination. But if the shooting ever comes around for Barrett, you know, just seeing a guy like Doncic, 
um, navigate pick and rolls and pretty much get whatever shot he wants, you know, makes me feel better that a guy doesn't, that a lead guard doesn't have to have Dame Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, um, Trey Young like handle or speed to be able to get whatever they want to do. Um, but you know, like, like we've been saying here, Doncic is just, he's unbelievable. Third in total points, second in total assists, um, third in both points per game and assists per game right now as we're recording this, um, top 25 in clutch points per game. Like the guy, he just has a killer attitude about him. Um, when the game is online, you want the ball in his hands. He is by far one of the best players to watch in the NBA. And I pose this question to you and would love to hear your thoughts on it. Is he, and I, I honestly think we have to talk about it. Is he the greatest young player? of all time. 20 year old, 19 year old. I started looking at bronze stats back in back in the day. They're very comparable. And obviously LeBron's defense is otherworldly and that's what's going to separate him. The game is very different even if we're just talking 10, 15 years ago, there's more possessions, defense is different, um players shoot earlier in the shot clock. Like there's a lot there. But what Doncic is doing like, I honestly think we have to talk about him as maybe one of, if not the greatest young player of all time. Like, like player to come into the NBA and absolutely dominate others. I think he is. Yeah. I think he's one of the, be- one of the best. Uh, I think that LeBron was so amazing once he came into the league. You know, he. I'm looking at his basketball reference when he was 20, his second year. And he led the league in minutes, 42.4 per game, 27.2 points, 7.4 rebounds, 7.2 assists, 47% from the field. Oh, my God. I mean, I mean, he was his second year in the league was how about leading the league in minutes in his second year, by the way? That's wow. That's pretty that's pretty insane. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, he and by the way, also, uh in his second year, 20 years old, led the league in offensive box plus minus, was putting up just crazy analytics numbers uh, right from the start. And just like Luca. But, uh, and that's why the people, you know, that's the comparison has been LeBron James, like LeBron James without the LeBron James athleticism for Luca. And he, the analytics numbers are comparable, I guess, but it's because no one has ever had these absurd numbers at such a young age <laughs> because, you know, Michael Jordan was still in college when he was this age, but it's, yeah, I don't know. Has any, I'd have to go deeper and look harder if anyone has ever uh, had these kind of numbers at such a, I don't know if anyone has ever played at this level at the age of 20 i mean kobe was kobe bryant this good at 20 years old i don't don't, think so i don't think so no i mean you'd have to obviously you'd have to look at like guys who like guys who more recently because when a long time ago guys used to have to be uh couldn't enter the league until they were older so it had like kevin garnett wasn't as good when he was younger I don't know, didn't Dw- Dwight Howard dominated from a pretty early age, but he wasn't like he was never as like the best player in the NBA or yeah. anything. 
I can't. I, I think you'd have to put him up there with LeBron, but LeBron was amazing, and LeBron. I don't know, but at the same time, LeBron's second year in the league, he was an All Star, right? But he also didn't go to the playoffs. Yeah, no, that's true. And as of right now, um, you know, Doncic has his Mavericks right there. So yeah. I mean, more the credit to him. Mm-hmm. Definitely more credit to him, especially because he's in the Western Conference, and I know the West hasn't looked quite as good as people thought it would. You know. But uh, there's been some teams that have been disappointing. Uh, the Jazz have looked. Ugh, I don't want to go down that road. Yeah. The Jazz, the Jazz have looked just. Ugh. Even their defense doesn't look great right now. Yeah, there's something. But, uh, there's something wrong. Can't really put my finger on it with them. But yeah. they, they've they've got some issues there. I know that's like their thing. They start out slow and just kick the shit out of everybody in the second half, and they really do. And I'm sure they'll win 50 and make everyone look like assholes again. But I don't know. There's something missing right now. Uh, anyway, we've, uh, I think we've touched on everything we wanted to touch on, haven't we? I mean, I think we, another, another great episode in the books. (laughs) Yeah, man. Absolutely. (laughs) I think, uh, I think we're getting to the point where, you know, we're going to have some guys on soon, maybe invite some guests. Um, That's what I wanted to, that's what I wanted to say. I just, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to tell people like we, we wanted to get the first few or first couple, whatever, under our belt, just the two of us talking, and then start to bring some people on, maybe some people from ESMY, but also people from outside ESMY that people aren't used to us talking to. Right. Because we always, we always talk to the same people. Right, right. So maybe get some outside viewpoints in here, too. Yeah. That'd be nice, I think. Oh, I'm definitely down with that for sure. Yeah, sounds good. All right, man. Uh, I am going to go and do the same thing you are, which is watch Carmelo Anthony hopefully drop 30 on the Knicks, to be honest. I wouldn't have a problem with that. What What do you uh, think is the over-under on uh, how many three to the domes tonight? Oh, man. <laughs> Mine's, over all right, on, so I'm going to... Over-under two and a half. I'll, I'll, that's a good one, Chip. That's good. Yeah, I was yeah. I was going to say like three, two and a half, so I, yeah, I like yeah. that. I think that's a good call. Yeah. Over under two and a half. His point total is uh, his over under point total. Is you said sixteen and a half, and a half right? So, yeah. Yeah. I already bet the over on. Oh, uh, dude, that so. that's it. That's money in the bank, man. Like yeah. I would, I would throw loads of cash at that. I can't believe it was that low. Yeah, it's very. That's very low. His teammates, his teammates are gonna get him in the first quarter alone, like ten points. That's what my thought process was. Like Dame, CJ, all those guys are gonna feed him shots, right. and when they're up by twenty at the end of the game, they're gonna feed him shots too. Yeah, it's I, I don't get, but that kind of stuff. That's why you need to look at prop bets and stuff, player prop bets, because that shit slips through the cracks. It does. It really does. It definitely does. Anyway, could talk about. We need to. That's I totally forgot. We need to start talking about gambling more. I know you're yeah. not a, <laughs> as big a, a gambler as I am, but I, I should start talking about gambling, and we should start talking about other stuff too. And we'll we'll branch out, start talking about other stuff, have other people on. Whatever. Well, uh, look, I hope you're enjoying the show because I know me and Jeff are enjoying talking about basketball. I I like talking about basketball that isn't in the Knicks. I know Jeff does too. Oh, yeah. I, I love talking about trades. I love talking about the Kevin Love thing. is fascinating to me that he's finally getting traded. So mm-hmm. I hope, I'm, I'm going to enjoy seeing him on a, a contender again. So uh, it was fun, man. 
I enjoyed talking to you always, and especially talking to you about basketball, man. I had a good time. Always, brother. Until the next time, uh, we'll do this, and, and we'll, uh, you know, like we said, we'll try and keep it weekly, so we'll, we'll see you guys next week.